I invite you to turn in the word to Proverbs chapter 13. You may have noticed that our songs had a Trinitarian theme, and that's because Reverend Smith had planned on preaching in Belgian Confession Articles 8 and 9 concerning the Trinity. However, with him out, we are going to the book of Proverbs this evening. Proverbs is one of the books of wisdom in the Bible. It's certainly not the only book of wisdom. In a way, we might say that they all are. One of the Proverbs is that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, the Proverbs are general wisdom. They describe how things ordinarily go, and they have multiple layers to them. And so when we read that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, it's a general principle. It's not just men, it's women. It's not just material goods. And basically the point of that proverb is to say that he doesn't squander all things, but he's looking ahead to the future. But there's a spiritual inheritance too. Solomon, for all of his many faults, had care to try to provide an inheritance of wisdom for his son. He first compiles all of these proverbs. God had given an extraordinary wisdom, and he gathers together this wisdom in order to lay it up for his son, who will be the king after him. And at the beginning of Proverbs, in chapter 1, we are told that this young man is given these words in order that he might learn wisdom and walk in wisdom. What a gift, and that causes us to ask what we are storing up for our own children in terms of a spiritual inheritance, or for those who will come after us. Now, the wisdom that we find here, as I said, it's general wisdom. It is the I before E of wisdom. And so it is a mistake if you come into Proverbs, and I say this especially to the younger people here, if you come into Proverbs and you read Proverbs as if these are prophecies of your future, Because just like I before E, except after C, there is an except after C when it comes to life in a fallen world. Sometimes you may do the things that are described in Proverbs and you still get the raw end. You get the rough side of life. These are not guarantees in this life that everything described here will come to you if you just keep these 10 rules. But they are generalities, which means that you would be foolish not to heed them. You'd be foolish not to heed them. The except after C of wisdom would be books like Ecclesiastes and Job. And so we find wisdom in its balance throughout the whole of the Bible. Now, many of the Proverbs, as you know, are very, very brief. And they can be nuanced and they can be challenging. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. Have you ever felt riddled as you're reading Proverbs? You just run over a text and you go, I'm just going to assume I know what that means, but I don't actually know what it means because it's very confusing and they're short so I can just move on and find one that I do understand. I would imagine most of us have done that. I've certainly done that. But I would exhort you to adopt perhaps a different methodology. I know that some of you right now are reading, attempting to read through the entire Bible in a year, a worthy goal. But what that means is that you end up consuming enormous portions of Proverbs in a single day at a time. And there is no way to process the wisdom that is there. As a habit, 
I would exhort you to build the Proverbs into your regular devotional life. Maybe pick a time of the day. You're going to say that maybe it's breakfast, maybe it's dinner. Some time of the day, just as man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, that there's going to be a time when you consume one proverb. Maybe a couple of proverbs, but that's a big meal of wisdom. You just take one and you mull over it. You don't race through the proverbs just like there's no shortcut to wisdom. You pace yourself and you take time and you ask the Lord to reveal to you what are the implications, what are the applications, because typically there's not just one. It's multi-layered. Now, this evening we give our attention to Proverbs 13, verse 17, and this happens in God's providence simply to be the one that I was thinking about this week. Proverbs 13, verse 17, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time meditating on his wisdom. Our Father in heaven, we appeal to you to work through your servant and to work in our hearts in order to build us up towards maturity. Teach us discernment. We read that even Jesus, according to his humanity, grew in wisdom as a boy. And even the oldest of us has a long way to go to measure up to the stature of Christ. We ask that you would not only give us the facts contained here, but that you would give us faithfulness by your spirit for your glory and the good of our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here the proverb talks about a messenger or an envoy. A messenger or an envoy is basically someone who has the job, the task, or the duty of bearing information on behalf of someone else or concerning someone else. When you think about that, you might picture an ambassador, somebody whose actual job it is in life to go on uh, work from a nation, to go talk with other dignitaries and to relate perhaps a spirit of greeting, of wanting to work together, or maybe it's to bring a message of warning. An ambassador is a messenger, and that ambassador has to carry that message faithfully. But then there are also broader implications here too, and I think it's appropriate to look beyond the narrow scope. Probably Solomon was thinking of something like an ambassador as he trains his son to be a good king and how to identify what sort of ambassador to look for. But it does have broader implications, and really we can extend it in all instances where someone speaks in regard to another person or on their behalf. So, for example, this could be a child who is sent by her mother to go give a message to her siblings. And already we can begin to imagine what a wicked messenger might be there or a faithful envoy might be. But this child has a duty to represent the interests, the attitude, and the words of the one who sends her. Or we could think about a go-between for two companies. And some of you have been in that role before, where you have to speak on behalf of your employer to another entity, another company. And whether you do so faithfully will have consequences for you and for many other people. And so here we have to ask, what is the Lord calling us to as we consider this passage? And we're going to see it's nuanced, but basically, and I am addressing principally here, right? It's a church service. I'm addressing the church. Unbelievers gather with us, but the preaching is to the body of Christ. And so I speak to you as believers. 
in Christ, you are God's messengers. You are not your own. When he redeemed you, he appointed every one of you to bear his presence in the world in every aspect of life. And so in the most mundane tasks day to day, you represent him. And that means that you have to deal fairly and honestly with others whom he calls you providentially or explicitly to represent. And at the same time, you are warned in this text to heed the consequences. There will be trouble sooner or later for those who choose not to represent faithfully those whom they are called to speak on behalf of. Now, our goal here is just to work through the passage, to hold up different parts of it, and to ask some questions. And we're going to start by comparing the two sorts of messengers. Comparing the two sorts of messengers here, we see wicked versus faithful. And what is really being described here? The wicked messenger is someone who knowingly or carelessly, so it doesn't have to be obviously on purpose, just by neglect you can be wicked in this sense, but a person who knowingly or carelessly distorts truth to the disadvantage of the one that they are representing. And most often to their own advantage, for their own sake. Now, how would they do that? There are, unfortunately, many ways to distort truth. They may do that by adding, or to put a point on it, you may do that, I may do that, by adding to the facts, by embellishing unfairly, exaggerating for some needless purpose, or outright lying, insinuating attitudes or motives that were not present, or giving false promises. Many other ways can be described, but... This is a person who's not being fair to their task to communicate truth. And why would they do it? As I said, for any number of selfish reasons, but often it can be related to malice. You have an obligation to represent that person over here, but you don't like them, and so you're going to twist it, manipulate it. Or maybe it's for the opportunity of gain. And so you work a little extra in there that's going to advantage you. Maybe it has to do with vanity or fear. If you say the truth, well, there will be consequences and you don't want to deal with those, and so you kind of pad it. Essentially, this is a person who thinks that dishonesty will pay off for themselves. By contrast here, we have a faithful envoy. And faithful here, the, the Hebrew term, goes beyond just communicating facts. Faithfulness has to do with character. And so the faithful envoy is somebody who is not only communicating accurately what they are supposed to relate, but a faithful envoy is a person who does so in the spirit in which they are entrusted to do it. And they do it, generally, with goodwill or in good faith. You may have heard somebody say that, that maybe they're asking a good faith question. They're being sincere. So this is not a person given to deceit, but they're communicating impartially. So these are the two basic sorts of messengers, the wicked and the faithful now contrast the consequences that come to them. Because this is both a warning and a promise of blessing. It's a general promise in this life, but a guarantee in the age to come. God will make good on all of the Proverbs soon enough. Verse 17, as you contrast these consequences, look what it says again. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. 
Now focus on falls into trouble. What is being communicated here is that generally speaking, if you abuse trust, it will catch up with you. The problem is in part that those who do so get away with it at first. Usually they aren't exposed right away, and so they become more and more bold in taking advantage and in misrepresenting others. But generally the proverb warns us in falling into trouble that it will catch up with them. Eventually you will forfeit blessings or you will fall into harm. I came upon an extreme example of this some time ago. Again, this is, I hope, not a situation any of you will fall into, but it does exhibit the kinds of things that Solomon's son probably had to deal with in terms of choosing an ambassador and the consequences that come with choosing a wicked one. There is an island nation in the Caribbean in the Lesser Antilles named Dominica. I would imagine most of us have not even heard of Dominica, not to be confused with the Dominican Republic. And the prime minister in 2014 was approached by a businessman from Iran, and this businessman dressed in a flashy way, was a smooth talker, and within a surprisingly short period of time, this Iranian businessman convinced the prime minister of Dominica to appoint him as a diplomat on behalf of Dominica to Malaysia to develop their relations together. He paid a sum of about $200,000 to buy citizenship in Dominica, and then the prime minister gave him a diplomatic passport and announced that he was now uh, given the title of His Excellency, the diplomat. And then what did he do with it? Within a very short period of time, he began to embezzle millions of dollars because he was using that name, that reputation, to go to these other businesses and say, oh, if you make these contributions, then the government will give you these kickbacks. And he was just pocketing portions as he went. And when the police surrounded his home, he barricaded himself inside, and he had his passport, and reporters say that he was saying, you can't arrest me, I'm a diplomat. But he had, unfortunately for him, made powerful enemies who knew all of the loopholes in the law, and what he was sentenced with in 2019 was 20 years in prison and a $1.3 billion fine. Trouble found him. Trouble finds the wicked messenger. Now, he was being wicked on a grand scale, as he was supposed to be representing to be an envoy of a country. More practically, however, we can find these kinds of circumstances in our own lives. The devastation that comes to our relationships when our friends and our family find out that we've been playing them off one another. And eventually, you just don't have those relationships, and you fall into worse and worse company, people who can stomach your filth. Similarly with our employers, eventually if we're exposed, they may let us go or demote us. Or maybe it's an employer who wanted you to do what was wrong and falsify information in the way that you deal with maybe another company, and you are left on the hook. Maybe that employer covers their tail very well, and you bear the consequence, the penalty before law for it. You may lose your good name, if not your position and your possessions. In every way, 
The Spirit speaks through Proverbs to warn all of us, but especially those who are younger and forming a path in life, forming character, it will not pay off in the end. And you might say to yourself, it does seem like wicked messengers sometimes do get away with it. Sometimes the most incredibly bold of wicked messengers seem to get away with it. Yet the proverb cannot fail. God cannot lie. As that person exits this life, they will find trouble waiting for them at the door. They will fall into a pit that they have made for themselves. Hear what it says in Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, 8. But as for all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Everyone who is characterized by habitual, by unrepentant lying, will not have a place in the kingdom. And it's not because we're saved by telling the truth. It's because saved people tell the truth. And when we don't, we own up to it. We confess, we repent. This church then is called to integrity and we don't get to carve out a portion of our life where we can have dishonest dealing for our personal gain and think that that is justified by the balance sheet of all of the good that we try to do. The Lord is forming in his people a rounded integrity. Nowhere is that more true than in relation to the gospel message. Sadly, there are those who profess to be Christians, who in different ways are wicked messengers. They misrepresent the king and his kingdom. That may be somebody who's in an official position as a pastor or a teacher. It can be just out in the world. Somebody says they're a Christian, but then teaches other people something that would deceive them. Every one of us is susceptible, not just by what we say, but by what we don't say. Can you imagine if an ambassador, a diplomat is sent to warn another nation, if you do not change course, there is going to be war. And the diplomat goes there and says, peace, peace, uh, as long as you pay us X amount of money, and then takes that and goes. And yet many of us are willing to sell out the souls of other people, myself too at times. I felt this for much less than a big check just to have peace with the relatives, just to have peace with the friends, just to not feel awkward in a public situation. I'm just not going to bring up the terms of surrender that God has meted out to the world. And we withhold from those people the healing that they would experience if they should come to faith. Lord calls us to be faithful messengers. This hangs especially over those who have received a formal calling through the church. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 13 through 15, pronounces judgment, profound judgment, upon those who abuse positions of authority. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, Everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Those prophets, so-called, and priests, 
instead of bringing before the people the true law of God that called them to worship one God and one alone, to be separate religiously from the nations around them, instead encouraged the people to form alliances with other nations that involved syncretism, involved worshiping other gods, and even participating in these prophets and priests did so. And the Lord says, in my time, their judgment will come, and they're doing it for their own gain. Because they know what will happen. Look at Jeremiah. He ends up in the bottom of a well. Look at Isaiah. Tradition says he was sawn in two for his faithfulness. At the beginning of our service, we had a call to worship from Hebrews 13, which says, Christ went outside of the camp into a place of shame. We have to be ready to go with him. But the false messenger is a person who, out of caring to preserve their own selfish reputation, buries the message of the Lord that we've been entrusted with, hides it or distorts it. Now, by contrast, we read, verse 17, a faithful envoy brings healing. A faithful envoy brings healing. Generally speaking, that means that when a person walks with integrity, the result is a mending of relationships, a smoothing out of differences. And we've seen this, I imagine, most of us in experience, where maybe you stood as a go-between between two friends who were at odds. Some of you teens here have probably experienced that all too recently, where there's a division among your group, and then one of you goes on behalf of the other, because they're not even speaking now, and tries to smooth things over and say, they really aren't mad at you, and they are, they're sorry about what they did. Because sometimes it's easier to tolerate hearing essentially the same things, but from someone else before you deal with the one who's offended you. And there can be healing there. And the same can be true in our families and in our church. Proverbs chapter 25 puts a different nuance to this, though. It says, Proverbs 25, verse 13, like the cold of snow in the time of harvest. Okay, pause, get that picture. Harvest time is usually a cooler season, but now there's an unexpected and early snow coming, and you've been doing hard work. In ancient times, I state the obvious, there is not air conditioning. There is no, I'm going to go inside and get a cold drink out of the fridge after I've been working hard. You're doing the hard labor, and then down comes this snow as you're out in the field. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. On the opposite end, when you send somebody to represent your interests and they throw you under the bus... How do you feel then? Not refreshed, grieved. And how we have hurt people, probably most of us at one time or another, have knowingly or through carelessness led to the harm of others because we didn't deal faithfully. Instead of bringing healing, we brought further harm. But how refreshing to others it is when you do your job and carry that up to the Lord. You are his messenger. You have been appointed ambassadors for his kingdom. And we read that he is refreshed when we carry out our role. Now, none of us does that perfectly. But we look to Jesus Christ and think of this proverb, as all the proverbs do in their way, as giving us insight into the character, the life, the purpose of Jesus Christ. 
He is the fullness of wisdom. And Christ is the faithful envoy. In every word he ever spoke, in the very expressions on his face, he absolutely accurately reflected the spirit, the character, the will of his Father. And it's only because he did so that we have communicated to us in the word what we call the Gospels and are able to have the greatest, the deepest comfort that we experience in this life. We have had comfort of all kinds. But for those who are genuine believers, you will bear witness. There is no deeper comfort than that which you have experienced in times when the Holy Spirit sweetly brought home to you the joy of the gospel. Not so long ago, I I won't go into details because I think I mentioned it fairly recently in a sermon, but I had a time where I was struck at just the sorrows of this life. And I had to pull into a parking lot because I had just received news, not about my own family, but somebody else who had experienced a, a loss. But thinking about it, I could go through that too. And then having the comfort, because I am reconciled with God, this isn't going to go forever. There is going to be relief. There is going to be restoration. And I can only have that hope, that healing, because of reconciliation. And I only have reconciliation because Christ was faithful to bring the word of the gospel. And he didn't spare anything. He didn't hold back the fact that I am a sinner. If he cut any of the corners off of the truth, we would be left hopeless. Even so then, as messengers, as witnesses for Christ, we have to seek to do the same. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. And so we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I simply want to exhort you this evening, in light of this passage, seek to deal faithfully in the way that you represent others. Some of you will have opportunities this very week to do that. As a pastor, I often have to represent the consistory, and I have to be careful not to insert my own private opinion into that. The other officers have to do the same thing. This is a church where all politicking, once known, shall be crucified. There's no room for that. We represent the consensus of the body. And then when you go into the very, I know that some of you are on boards for schools, on boards that serve civil ends, you have to do the same thing. The world will tell you that you're fighting with one hand behind your back, so be it. Trouble will come to those who choose to be wicked messengers who play both sides for their own end. The Lord can work in and through and above all our expectations. And he calls us to do so with his character. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Hear this passage and then we'll close in prayer. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. 
but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words of wisdom that you've given to us. We ask your pardon, Lord, for having so often misrepresented you through our actions and our words. We've made others think that you are angry when you actually want to be reconciled. We've carried your law further than you would with people and held on to grudges. And those who sincerely repented, we didn't welcome back into the peace of fellowship. We ask your pardon for ways that we have misrepresented the gospel by obscuring the need for others to repent and to believe on Christ alone. We shudder when we think of those who make a business out of doing so. We pray for you to grant repentance to all of us. We pray for you to grant us integrity, form in us the character of Christ, help us in every way to be faithful ambassadors. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.